This is a Turtle Boy Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Turtle Boy Podcast. I'm Big Tim. I'm Luke McWilliams. And we're here to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one from 1984. 84. Okay, so first things first, first things first, sorry I forgot about this, I should have prepared... I'll do some banter. What are you looking for? <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> because it's Christmas. Oh, thanks, dude. Okay. So this is ah. Oh, so this is issue one hundred. Ninja Turtles issue one hundred with the D's Comics exclusive cover. You can only get at D's Comics. Um, signed and remarked up by Camillo, the artist, who I have the damnedest time pronouncing his last name. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is it, Dino? I don't, I don't know. Where, where is it? Um, it's not there. Oh, jeez. Um, My God. So this is Camilo di Pietrano, Pietrantonio. Yeah, something like that, man. Yeah, this is awesome. I was out at um, D's Comics today, and uh, uh, I guess this is a preview for next week. There's, I, I did an uh, interview with Camilo. And uh, Brendan from D's about this uh, very limited edition exclusive D's comics cover that you can only get from D's in Canberra. That is crazy. Thank you very much. No it's Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. Um, and I guess to start off, like always, tonight the podcast is brought to you by Lucky Buddha Beer. Cheers. Cheers. Um, <laughs> yeah, now we're um, trying to quickly get a podcast in. We're at Luke's place. It's Luke's Christmas. What's it called? The annual shit wine and bog terrible, bog horrible Christmas horror movie party part three. Okay. So uh, last couple of years, Luke's had this little Christmas get together where we, uh, you know, we drink wine, eat cheese and ooh ham, there. and um, and watch some really, depending on who you ask, craptastic Christmas horror movies. Is that because I've I've moved? States, you know, throughout the years, and I had this shipping crate where I had to lump all my stuff. Yeah, and I had a big collection of wine that I've collected over the years, and I just had it in here, in there for about a good three or four years, I want to say. Right, and it wasn't temperature controlled or anything, so hot summers, cold winters. So every year, I just have this party where we basically pop open a wine or a yep. champagne, and we try it out on a guest, and if it's good, great. If it's not, goes down the sink. But I'm not stupid enough to drink it. And last year, we <laughs> popped open a champagne, and I shouldn't say pop, it just went... <laughs> so that's why it's shit wine and bog horrible horror Christmas horror movies. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Okay, so let's get into it. Mm, we have... Sorry, I've just got to pull up my notes. I'm unorganised, I'm sorry. Uh, also, um, so the reason I brought up Luke's um, craptacular party tonight is that guests are probably going to start turning up in the middle of this. Um, so we, who knows what the fuck's going to happen tonight. Um, we're going to keep going as, as much as we can. Um, and look, you might hear some voices. You might hear Nick... Uh, you might hear Luke disappear and uh, me bloody trying to vamp while he's nicked off welcoming guests. Right. Okay. So if you haven't read this comic yet, right, as I said last week, there's a Comixology link in the show notes for this comic. If you can go to your local store and get it from there, that would be preferable. Mm. I'm a really strong believer and supporter of your local brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah, they're the guys that kept the love alive before the internet. You know, they're, they're the guys that nurtured us into the comic nerds we are before the internet exist, existed. So if you can get these comics from your local guide, please do. If not, there is the Comixology link there and you can get a, mm. a cheapo version. So Luke, what do you know about this? Give us some history about this very first comic. Well, basically, I mean, this was um, the first comic that Eastman and Lara did together. And so, like we talked about last episode, um, they were just shits and giggles, mucking around and coming up with these these wacky characters. And they thought they'd do a one-off, um, bit of a piss take of um, Daredevil and Ronan, um, get it out of their systems, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And so, they, they, they did this. And um, I think... One of them popped in $500, the other one got a tax return and popped in $200, then they squeezed an uncle for like $1,000, and they got a first print run happening. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did that, they, their Mirage Studios was their shared um, living room, yep. and, and they did it old school. They, they, they made this thing, they printed it off, they popped them into boxes, and then just shipped them out to, to news agencies around, well, around the country. And then from that, it it just grew little by little and yep. I looked into it and the next issue was I think six months to a year later yeah, right. and then a year later and so that the audience was really chomping at the bit to get the next set, um, issue but um, this um, I, I keep on saying episode because yeah. yep. TV now is so much like our comic books back in the day but this issue um, for them it was a bit bit of a parody Bit of a piss take. Yeah. But they also did it with love because they loved Daredevil. They loved Ronan. They really liked the artwork of Frank Miller. So they were putting all these influences into their artwork for this issue. Um, and, 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 you know, they just thought that was it. But it wasn't. It was the start of this juggernaut as, as we know. Yeah. The artwork is interesting because, um, like I've said before, Eastman and Laird, they made sure that each panel or each page had 50, 50% of each other's work. Yeah. And it was. It got to the point where, you know, one, were, they were drawing to their strengths. So if someone was stronger at doing a background or a, or a lamp or something, they would do that. Then they'd switch the page over for the other person to do yeah. a figurine or whatever. And then they'd both ink and, and all that. And so it was really, really a shared piece all the way through. And maybe that's why it looks so, you know, overworked sounds bad, but there's a lot of detail and a lot of um, smudgy craft all the way through it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And um, I, I, some, some dude on Twitter um, last week was saying, what's the greatest first issue of a run that you can think of? And I was like, yeah, people are saying all different things. And I was mm. like, well... Ninja Turtles 1. It's a, it, 
what I mean, your favourite, you know, hero comic book is Hellboy. Yeah. How does that first issue stack up? Uh, it's okay. Mm. Um, but it's it's a first part of a four part story. Oh, okay. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So it's like if you're judging it just by the first issue, mm. um, spoilers, the comic's bloody 30 years old. Um, Hellboy? Uh, 20 or something like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, in the first issue, uh, Professor Broom dies, right? And then it goes into the adventure sort of thing, you know? So yep. you get that, but just like, sort of with it being a part one of four, you're like, oh, okay, what's, what's happening next, mm. you know? Whereas with this, because it was a done-in one and they really didn't think they were going to do it again... You've got the whole complete story. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but you've yeah. got everything. You've got the origin story of the turtles. Yeah. You've got their very first big bad, their very first big fight. Yeah. Everything happens in this issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, it was, it's a launch, almost. Like, it sounds to me the first issue of Hellboy was like a soft you know, opening. Yeah. Because it was, a, it was a part one of a bigger story. Um, you know, the first Batman comic, uh, that was that really had more to say about the times at the time, yeah. the context. Um, same with Superman. And, well, I guess they... I mean, especially Superman, that was an origin story of sorts. Yeah. And so... But it didn't have... It wasn't preloaded with the... Yeah. With the, um, the, the mythology all in that one, like this is. Yeah, this well, has everything in it. I, I yeah, agree completely. I, I also feel like... Um, this was also a product of its time, as we said. You know, they were mm. a fan of Frank Miller, and um, I, I think I said last week, you know, they making these Ninja Turtles. They loved Daredevil, so they had the ninjas. They loved the X-Men, so they had Mutant. They had loved Teen Titans, so they had teens. You know mm. what I mean? So it was sort of an amalgamation and almost a, uh, almost a commentary on what the comics were doing at that point, mm. except making them turtles. Yeah, is what made them stand out. That's right, and, and for Eastman, Kevin Eastman, he did a turtle because he thought it'd be funny because you know it's the slowest animal that he could think of. But when you think about it, a turtle is preloaded with sort of ancient Asian, um, you know, mystical, yeah, magic and all that sort of stuff. Because the very first um, Chinese characters were discovered on the uh, breastplate of a turtle. You know? Oh, I did not know that. There you go. It's almost like a Rosetta Stone. So you looked at that, and then that was the basis of um, of the lang- of, of the characters anyway. And then you think of um, Kung, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. And don't they have a little turtle there's character? This, there's who's... this really... Like, because there's Kung Fu Panda and his crew. His master is a little rat squirrel-looking thing. Mm. And then... But, yeah, the Uber... The uber guru master kung fu guy is this ancient turtle. Wise old turtle, that's yeah. right. And I mean, and that's the thing is, I mean, as far as animals are concerned, they're one of the longest, if we don't bloody choke them on plastic bottles and yeah. stuff, they're one of the longest living creatures on the planet. Yep. You know, and um, so it's easy to, you know, attribute godlike qualities and mm. and wisdom and all that sort of stuff to them. You know? My mum, uh, growing up, she had like this, this big family tortoise or turtle yep. and um, they hibernate over winter. And so my grandfather, he um, apparently drilled a hole through the shell and popped a chain on him and so he wrapped that around the tree. So when he went and buried himself in the backyard for the winter, they, they could, you know, he wouldn't be able to run away. He did. He got out of the chain and he disappeared. No well, one knows where he went. I mean, that's the thing, though, is it's like, isn't their, their shell basically their spine? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you're yeah. drilling a hole in a poor fuck's spine. 
saying, let's just to keep you around. He's like, Actually, he, and he's like, hang on a minute, that's it. I'm out of here first chance it. I get. I reckon I just solved family mystery. He didn't run away. I think my grandfather killed the turtle. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, so I had ninja turtles. Was cute. <laughs> Jesus, if, if yeah. that turtle had nunchucks, maybe he could have... Uh... But the thing oh, is, Jesus. Uh, when you first read this issue, did you see these Ninja Turtles with their red, well, I guess black and white bandanas, their Batman pupilless eyes, and did you go, did you chuckle? Did you say, oh, that's funny? No, because I had been reading the Archie versions oh, yeah. beforehand, and I had been watching the Goofy cartoon beforehand, <laughs> so this was... Um, more of a grown-up, uh, grown-up approach. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, that's the thing. Like, even when you first saw the turtles, like with the cartoon, you didn't say, "Oh, that's funny." You went, "That's cool." Yeah, I was just like, "This makes perfect sense." That's right. Let's, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you first read this issue, dude? I was, I, I, look, I can't remember. I would have because you know, back in the day, it was hard to get. You know, if you missed out on something like this, mm. you it, it was a legend to you. Mm. You, you, know, you you couldn't get it, you know, until like stuff like Comicsology and whatnot. I don't believe I actually read this comic until years into my fandom. Yeah, right. Right. Um, I want to say they did a free comic book day version of it. Oh, cool. Okay. Which would only be free comic book <clears throat> day's only been going for about ten years or something, hasn't it? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. So that, still, having that issue would still probably be worth something. Oh, I don't know. Mm. No. Okay. But, um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I believe I picked up the free comic book day one. I'll, I'll have to Google it and see yeah, what right. year that happened. So you were quite advanced in your turtle age. I was totally into turtles, you know. I'd, yeah. I'd been through you know, the Archie stuff. I don't think IDW had quite started yet. But, you know, there was the Mirage one set on the 2000... The fi- there was a five-issue Mirage miniseries that was set on the 2003 cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was into the... You know, I was just always picking up whatever a comic was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's only, you know, me being an old man, it's only in my recent last quarter of my life or whatever that I uh, actually read it, yeah. So how did you how did you find out about it? You, you just through the ether? Yeah, exactly, yeah. through the ether. You heard about this comic book that, that where the turtles were spawned and they were psychotic yeah right they weren't these it was almost a le- urban legend like Winky the Clown or whatever the fuck that was movie we watched last night <laughs> yeah yeah you know it was yeah. an urban legend you're like okay we've got these toys these brightly coloured toys and cartoons and comic books but apparently hey dude apparently this comic started the guys who did it they were psychotics Isn't they were cool? murdering people yeah. you know it's not like in here where in the cartoon they only murder robots. They're mm. murdering people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was always the sort of the legend there. It's a bit know? like seeing a like a like a like a Hollywood star and then finding out. Oh my god, she used to do porn. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all underground. Even like you know, Kevin Bacon. He was in the first Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, you know what I mean? That yes. was his first movie and he yeah, got yeah. killed. That sort of thing, you know? That's Isn't that funny? Because um, people these days, they wouldn't realise how hard it was for us to get information. Like, yeah. And we, when we talk about, you know, comic books and movies and media and stuff, that's still information. These days, Google, boom. And the phrase, Google is your friend, 
we didn't have that friend back in our day. You had so you know it, it was it was it was it was myth. It was rumor. Deleted scenes from a movie. You know there are yeah. a couple of deleted scenes from Batman ninety eighty nine. They didn't really come out yeah. until YouTube and DVDs and Blu rays. And that's something I think that's lost. I was going to say to this generation, but even to our generation now, is the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. It just doesn't exist anymore because straight away I can jump onto, say, Comixology mm. and I can download, you know, Marvel's old 1970s Frankenstein comics. Yes. Whereas, you know, again, you'd hear about that and you'd go, Marvel did Frankenstein? Yeah. You know? Um, or, or, you know, I can jump on Amazon and, f- and find, uh, if I really want to, a VHS copy of 1989 Batman. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No- nothing is, you know, you don't have to scour the whole country's flea markets and, and conventions and, you know, those sort of things to find what... But thrill of the hunt, but also your imagination. Mm. Like, you know, taking on a power of, of its own, a bit like, again, this Winky the Clown thing we found out yeah. the other day. And, uh, like, I first heard of um, A Nightmare on Elm Street from my cousin, yeah, right, and he yeah. used to tell me secondhand what the story was about, and yeah. I'd always quiz him, like, why did he do that? And then my cousin would look at me and go, because he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, never, it was never fulfilling. So then when I finally, you know, watched it, I already experienced so much through my own, you know, um, analysis of why yeah. Freddy Krueger would be doing this yeah. that to watch it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. But, you know, it had that mythic effect on me, whereas I wouldn't have that if I just asked my cousin, why do you do it? Oh, because he's nuts. All right, Google. Oh, because... he's nuts. Because he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's exactly yeah. right, and it's taken away from you know, like when you're in the schoolyard and you used to say something crazy. You mm. know, the lead singer from the lead singer from Bros, he passed out on stage because he had a gallon of semen in his. I heard that tummy. too. And then you're like, oh wow, that's so crazy. It's got to be real. Oh wow, and mm. you didn't have the internet to be like. You liar. Yeah, yeah, you idiot. Yeah. He busted his ankle, dickhead. Yeah. Mythbusters.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. But, um, yeah, so that was my, you know, this was always a bit of an urban legend comic Ooh. to me. Um, you know, and I, I had read some later ones in the series, you know, that I'd picked up, you know, uh, you know dog-eared and really cheap at a, uh, at a store or something. Yeah. You know, like the Triceraton issues and things like that. Oh, really? You got those? Oh, I, back in the day before oh. I understood that you should keep them and stuff. You know what I mean? I always understood you should keep them. I, I never did. I, Damn it. And then Damn it. That really <laughs> angers me. Comics just went in my bag. See those boxes in the corner there? Yeah. Comics. When you get drunk tonight, I'm going for them and swapping. Dude, dude, dude. I've got more coming up from Adelaide. Wow. Bag and board night? Nice. Cool. Um, we'll do it. I um, I actually just put a note of I don't know if you saw any of my social media today because I've got just way too many dog-eared, yeah. torn and sticky I'll tape back one. up. Hey, another I'm one. I'm on the uh, get Lucky it. Boogers. Yep. yep. Lucky Boogers. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. So I just put a thing up on mm. my thing saying if you're in Australia, if you're having a shitty Christmas, shoot me an email and I'll throw a few... Uh, Issues. Yeah, old, old issues. Nothing worth anything, but just chuck them in an envelope and I'll the, send them to you. The you thing know? is, they used to be worth entertainment. You know, that's what their worth is, you know? And that's really great, because I, I did read that, and, I mean, the, the criteria is that you need to be, you know, not having a great time. Yeah. Christmas is a hard time for a lot of people. For everyone. Yeah. Um, I remember when my, uh, my seven-year relationship girlfriend, first time I found out um, when, you know, she said, oh, you know, I'm sick at the moment. I went, <gasps> and I went right into what would I want if I was sick. Yeah. So I gave her all of my best comics 
It was such a boy thing to yeah, do. Like, yeah. oh my god, you're sick. This is what I do when I'm sick. I gave her my cat women um, comic books and this and that. I told her how to read them. I gave her my um, Danny Elfman um, uh, Batman Return soundtrack. I said, you pop this on, then you rig this, gave her all these instructions, and, and afterwards you, she... Then you came in and she'd actually fashioned a noose out of all those comics. Yeah. And she was hanging from... <laughs> no. Oh, but, but she was just like, no, thanks, but no, I'm, I'm fine. But in my mind, comics were always a pick-me-up, yeah. you know, and yeah. entertaining and, and a bit of a distraction. And so that's what they're worth, you know, and, yeah. and collecting them and hoarding them and all this sort of stuff... It's not fine wine, you know, yeah. especially from the 90s. It's not going to go anywhere. I remember Kevin Smith said he met... I can't even remember who he said he met, but who gave him some comics. And he goes, oh, that's great. These are going to be bagged and boarded. Put away. And the, the guy who gave it to him was like, no, no. Mm. Read them. Mm. Enjoy them. Give them to someone else. Yeah. You know? That's really great. When I was living in Sydney, I was fascinated by this... You know, back comics were four bucks a pop or something. Mm. You'd go to the train station and there'd be a news agent there with a, a rack of comics. And you'd grab one. You'd read it for 15 minutes to where you're going. You'd throw it in the bin as you're leaving. You know yeah, what I mean? Because right. they were only newsagent editions on newspaper, yeah. paper. And, um, you know, and so I've always been fascinated with, yeah, that it's, it's disposable mm. entertainment. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be good? Yeah, and this is going to the realm of a library. But because I think you're right. Back in the day, comics were like cheap and nasty entertainment that you should feel ashamed of, even if you're an adult, yeah. where you'd... It's like the newspaper. You'd like get you, it. You'd go into the store and you'd get it and you'd come out in a paper bag and yep. if people asked what it was, you'd say it was porn. Well, that... <laughs> it's porn and alcohol. Fuck off. Yeah. But um, you'd, be, you'd read it on the train home and you'd throw it in the trash as soon as you got to the station to yeah. go home. So how about this? You... You're, you're, you know, and there's there's train a fantastic train system in, in Sydney. We've got a tram in Canberra. How about a news outlet where you can read something while you're waiting for your train or you get to the other end of the train and you return the comic book and you're paying like a donation. Like, here's a couple of bucks for me to read this thing, not throw it away. I'll just hand it in at the next station. At the next guy. So you buy buy it from Luke, give it to Tim, buy it from Tim. I don't know, you just give it to the next news agency. Mm. Like, you return it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Environmentally friendly, but also... That's the thing, isn't it? You see these... Take a book, leave a book's mm. popping up all over town, you know, mm. in the suburbs, in town, that. So why not? Okay, we're straying from this story. Now, reading this again this week, did you read this this week? Uh, no, I, re- I read it a couple of months ago, actually. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I've read it so many times. I was it? actually surprised on my reread, mm. which I've, prob- I've probably read it, you know, a year ago or something. Yeah. But I was surprised on my reread, reread, that yeah. there was no April or Casey. No. In this original one. No, they, no, no, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, it was all just Turtles, Purple Dragons, mm-hmm. then Turtles, Origin Story, then Turtles, it's, Shredder. Do you think, because we've, we've spoken about it, like we've, we've talked about how this has the DNA of everything that comes out of it, do you think that this story, because I don't think it does, but do you think it's too much going on? Man, no, I see it as three chapters, three three-part story. Yeah, bang. First seven pages is the... We're, we're getting to know. Leonardo is um, narrating the story as they're taking on this gang of purple dragons. Yep. Then they disappear. The cops are coming. They disappear into the sewers, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're down with Master Splinter, and the only bit that doesn't really gel 
properly with me anymore as a storyteller is just he recounts his their origin story to the turtles who obviously know their origin story and he's just reminding them hey remember remember this yeah. but but look again it's a one it's a one uh, one shot only ever intended to be one mm. you've got to dump some exposition well, that's it. So, so we see them in their first fight, where as far as we're concerned, this is where the first fight that we see them. Is it their first fight above the ground? Because in the movie version, that was their first fight when they save April. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so um, they, they beat up the members of the, um, the Purple Dragons. Yeah. But that's the first time and the last time you see them in this original run. Yeah. Which I think is a bit of a shame, because Purple Dragons... That brings up sort of imagery of, of punk, punk rock. Yeah. But also dragons, another, you know... Um, Japanese. Japanese. Asian. Sort of, but yeah. obviously they're Americans, so it'll be like pseudo-American, almost like the, the Karate Kid. Yeah. Americans try to pick up elements of Asian culture. Yeah. But they get their asses handed to them. If not, they get murdered. Yeah. Well, w- w- when they come back to Splinter, they mm. say to Splinter, Splinter goes, all right, you're back. Did you just fight? Mm. And they're like, yeah, we... Fought fifteen guys and whipped yep. ass. It doesn't indicate that it's their first time. You no. know what I mean? So it's like maybe they do go out on patrol a fair bit, and each night Splinter says, "Did you fight?" And this time they're like, "No, no, I was quiet streets." And he's like, "Oh, thank Christ!" But yeah. no, 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 because I remember reading this thinking, "This rat." Oh. Okay, so we've got our first guest uh, coming to the party. Um, so, so yeah. No, that's all right. It's all good. <laughs> we we pre-warned our audience. We pre-warned our audience that people would be turning up, and so we're going to see just see how it goes. Yes, please. What would you like? These these are my favourite beer, Lucky Buddha beer. It's just really sweet. Uh, it sort of goes down smooth. It's not, you know. So when we podcast, I, I get some of these, and we we're talking about. Have you guys read the very first Ninja Turtle comics from 1984? Well, you guys are useless to me because that's what, <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. The very the very first um, the very first episode. So very first, yeah, um, yeah. But we we warned the guys who are listening that we're at the thing and blah blah blah. All right, now, all right. Can you remember what you're saying? I can't. Uh, yes. Yes. So I I remember reading this, thinking this this bloody rat. He sent his these turtles off, and when they s- said, "Yeah, we we got into a fight of fi- with fifteen purple dragons," he's like, "Right, now's the time to tell you where you came from, why I've trained you into ninjas, because now I need you to go off and kill this guy for me." Actually, and you are, you are completely right. So again, I would say that this isn't their first time above fighting. No, but it's his <laughs> first time that um. Yeah, that um, but I, I they, they've success. They've done it so successfully so well. that they're they've ready. They've probably had a good track record. You yeah, know, over the last six months, they said, he said, "Hey guys, did you fight?" Yeah, but you know, two guys, but he kicked our asses. Okay, yeah. well that's not good enough. Go out again tomorrow night. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> who have we got? Hey, okay. Stick that in the in the sink if you like. Yeah. Hello. hello. Um, because yeah, you're right. And then on that very page where he says that, yeah, um, you know, did you fight? Yes, we fought. And then he's like, okay, uh, now it's time to tell you why I've been training you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not so like, yeah, yeah, it's no, not you're like, right. Hey, father, are you proud of us? It's like, okay, ninjas, now you're ready to do this one thing that I've been training you for all these years. Yeah. 
you, you fuckers. Yeah. You know, like, there's no love here. No, and you're, and you're completely right. And I think the point you brought up earlier that I've, having read this comic a hundred times... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've, yeah, I've read this comic a hundred times and only just put it together. Is where you're like the purple dragons are like the Americanization of this Japanese idea. Oh, big, yeah. big. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you need a thing? So. Oh, you're right. No, I'm just... I can no, work. Yeah. One and done. Her, her forearms are just like. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't Mighty. even a twist top. She just went. I'm like. I'm not amazing. Um, Good work. That yeah, the black dra- the purple dragons mm. are the Americanization of this Japanese idea, and then in Act Three. They mm. have to fight the foot soldier mm. and the shredder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, so they're taking on the full Japanese. That's right. So it's almost as if, okay, these 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 purple dragons are the closest we have to the foot, and they're pretty pathetic. So at least then there's still a power imbalance, and yeah. so we still are a bit fearful of our new heroes. Yeah, yeah. But that's the best that they've got. And hey, they beat fifteen of them. Yeah. Let's go, you know, and and you know, I call him the rat splinter, but it's because in this comic book, I mean, you know, he's a bit, um, he's a bit cold. He's a bit. Um, I'm just using these guys to get my vengeance, mm. to get my revenge. It's got nothing to do with these guys. Yeah, nothing is. It's Actually, me. That's a- it's between me and Oroko Saki. Yeah, and you guys are collateral damage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and then what do you think about? Um, <clears throat> I think. As I said, this is a solid comic. It's mm. got the entire story. I love it. Beginning, I absolutely love it. Middle, end. They kill the nemesis. Bada bing, bada boom. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming. See you in my next fucking when I'm on X Men. Um, the only thing that prevents this from being a first issue from Marvel or something is Shredder's definite, but then obviously not definite down oh. the line, but his definite death in this story. It's, it is definite because they make the point of blowing him up with a thermite grenade. And these things, I never really knew what that was until I saw a movie called Annihilation. With I Natalie never knew Portman. what it was until I saw a movie called Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw that go off. No, but I knew it was bad All business, right. mate. But I saw it go off. I saw in... Salacious Crumb duck behind Jabba's tail, <laughs> right? I yeah. saw the reaction of all those hard-ass bounty hunters. I knew this was not good news. But a thin <laughs> you, you blow it up, and it absolutely... It's like napalm. It, it obliterates anything that's around it. You know, yeah, it, right. it, like it sizzles like a meteor coming in from the outer atmosphere. And um, so, you know, if you set a grenade or an explosion, all right, you could walk away from that. But a thermite grenade, it would just get rid of everything. And so, you know, they really shot themselves in the foot. But the thing is also, Kevin Eastman, his personality is almost like what I would call a concept artist. I think he was 22 when he did this. Yeah, yeah. And he's just the ideas man. He's throwing shit out and, and it's all great and everything. Whereas Peter Eastman, he was 10 years older. So he was 32 years old when he saw this great stuff. And he put the brakes on. Yeah. He's like, oh, easy, let's now... Let's let's do all the process and the procedure and the project management of this, yeah. you know. And so, so Kevin, you, you reckon like Peter was the one who's like, okay, look now, let's take these and make it a story. Oh, definitely. Yeah, maybe, maybe about the story. But he's definitely the guy who who crafted the the journey of these characters and everything. Whereas for Kevin, just this one issue, oh, for everything. Yeah, but yeah, maybe for this issue, I'm not too sure because, well, maybe I think. Because on the one hand, I really think Kevin Eastman is the one who created the Turtles. Because yep. he's the one who just did all the first drawings and everything. But Peter is the one who guided them, 
right? Yep. So with Shredder, it's almost as if um, Kevin Eastman said... Because I think Kevin, with their brainstorming, he popped, like, cheese shredders and, as gauntlets on his hands. Yeah. And he, he made, you know, Peter laugh. And he said, well, what are you calling? He goes, oh, oh, the shredder. All right, boom. And it was supposed that, to it's be... It's crazy that they were just... I know. Shits and giggles. But that's how talented Kevin Eastman was. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't have the, um, the discipline to slow down and craft out these ideas yeah. he just threw them around and just kept on throwing them around yeah, yeah. and so that's why I think the shredder in this comic was just played as a one-off yep. like he's not even that grand he's a um, a, low, a young low-level thug um, offering protection services yeah. protection you know? records around yeah town. he's not a kingpin like he becomes later on but when he gets into that garb and he's suddenly got these armies of ninjas behind him, he looks so awesome, he looks so Darth Vader-like, yeah. that that's what the character then takes on that yeah. sort of mythos on. Yep, yep. More of a master as opposed to this little shit. Mm. But again, it just goes to show that Kevin and Peter are like, no, no, forget about him, forget about him, fuck it. Yeah. Steal my grenade, he's gone, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, don't worry about the whole issue, because we're going to go on to bigger and better yeah, things. that's right. And again... Whoa, slow down. What happened to Shredder? Yeah. God! Yeah. Um, and that was my understanding is from here on, mm. because people were like, we need more of these fucking turtles. They're like, no, we're done with the turtles. We need more of these turtles. Okay, okay. And that they were always on the back foot as far as demand was concerned. And mm. they couldn't necessarily have the time to craft such a fun This story. This is, I mean, I'd say it's the best of the original run. I love yeah. it so much. Yep. What do you think of the artwork? Man, again, you know, ha- having come from the Archie comics that were very in style with the cartoon, I, I love it. And uh, this is... Um, I mean, I learnt to draw the turtles from the cartoon, but once I got into the Eastman and Laird actual comics, mm. like I said last week, I think it was when Ninja Turtles 2 came out and one of them did the art for that. Yeah. that I, I reworked how I had learnt to draw them to look more like these. I, 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 fuck, I love it. I love and, it. And it's this that has made me um, my lifelong falling in love with black and white comics. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I grew up on full colour, Marvel, DC, you know, all this stuff. But this is why, what made me fall in love with black and white comics. And this is, this and Usagi Yojimbo are why I choose for my comic to be black and white as well. Mm. You know, and also why I love Killaroo, which is another Australian comic. Everyone probably knows about it because I rave about it a lot. It's very good. Again, black and white, very indie, you know, and I've, I, but it's from Eastman Lad's early black and white stuff that made me fall in love with that. And, I mean, to sound like a bit of a dick, it's not just black and white, it's grey. It's grey, yeah. Yeah. There's smudgy, smudgy grey right. goodness yeah. in there. And, I mean, I'm not too sure how they get that done because I, it's all inks. So yeah. I don't think it's watercolour. Yeah. But what they did do is they used a thing called duoplex board where if you use a certain agent on it, like a chemical, these lines will pop up yeah. in the artwork. Yeah, right. And okay. so you don't have to draw the individual, like, shading lines. They just come up when you pop, like, um, you know, methylated spirits on it or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in all the images. Yeah. And it reminds me almost of um, Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Mm-hmm. Like, when Spawn came out, the images were so busy and there's so much detail and all this. And then the writing would be like, hey... Yeah. yeah, you're like, oh my god, you've just gone through so much effort yeah. for this. But here we get some really cool film noir, yeah. um, dark, 
detective sort of, you know, dark night exposition and, yeah. and uh, monologues and things. Yeah, definitely. Everything sort of suits this, yeah, this this dark interpretation of the turtles. Yeah. I think it's great. Also with the um the artwork, it's it's not perfect. Yeah. You know, the the um uh, oh, the cover is that's supposed to be a um a, a complete homage to Ronan. So okay. if you see the lines there, if you look at the um, the front cover and the artwork of Ronan, Frank yep. Miller, it's supposed to be a, a homage to that. Yeah, right, okay. But again, when I first saw that, I knew about Ronan. I just assumed that was the style at the time. I didn't see these guys as, as bowing to Frank Miller at all. Yeah, right, I just right. thought it was a sign of times. That's how comics are. And it was so dark and gritty. It was just, it was paired up with all of their influences and references as underground comics. Yeah, right, right. Hmm. Okay. Well, look, I think we're going to uh, wrap this up now that um, your party's actually officially started. <laughs> um, all in all, I love this one issue. I, I, I'm glad that you like this, especially since you came into it relatively late. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just, by sheer luck, I got the graphic novel of the first run yep. and um, just absolutely loved it because I was intrigued by the cartoon, really liked it, but when I saw this... To me, this was just the bedrock, the DNA of, of bigger and better things to come. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so, look, what we're going to do... Cannot connect to the store. Why is that? Um, so what, what, what we need you to do for next week, guys, I want you to find... A, okay, again, go to your store first. I want you to ask them for... Fuck, I just had it and I just lost it. <laughs> because... From here, we're going to read the next few issues. Cool. Okay. And that is collected in a book called Black and White Classics, Volume 1. Beautiful. Okay. Now, I believe, I could be wrong, but I'll confirm it so we're reading the right thing. Um, I believe it's got the first four issues of Ninja Turtles and the Leonardo's one-shot from the micro-series. Okay. But look, as I said, guys, look in the show notes. I'll, I'll have a direct link to Comixology. At least you can be like, well, you know, you can take that to your local store and say, let's do this. You need to tell me also which one to read next because I forgot about the one shots. Yeah. yeah, So, because my original run of the graphic novels didn't have the one shots. Yeah, right. So when I first saw Raphael and Casey Jones in the comic book together, I just went, what? And that's what made me think, oh my God, I've missed out on, on more Mirage Studio comic books. Yeah. Because it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, this is what you're after, guys. You got your pen and paper. I'll give you a second. Get some pen and paper. Okay. You're back. So, what you're after is Ninja Turtles Black and White Classics One, right? And it reprints Ninja Turtles One and Three, and the one shot Raphael. Cool. Okay. So that's what we got to read. We already covered issue one today, but so we'll, tomorrow, next week, we'll cover two and three and the Raphael one shot. Three comics. Yep. All right. I figure it'll be easier if we <clears> tell <throat> the guys what trade they need to get. They get that trade. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Um, and but as I said, next week we've got the interview with uh, Carmelo. I won't even try and disrespect him by saying his last name. Um, and Brendan from D's Comics. Um, so yeah. I guess we're about done. So, look, wherever you're listening to this right now, if you're listening on our website from the streaming, if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on your podcast app, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Give us a five-star review, right, because the more five-star reviews we get, the more people this podcast gets in front of, 
you know, bigger audience we get. If you've got criticisms and you feel like you can't give a, a five-star review, don't review it at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Send me a message. I'll take criticisms and I'll decide what will change and what we won't. But don't fuck up our perfect... Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't fuck up our perfect record so far. So, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe. Rate it for a five-star. Don't forget to join the Facebook group. All these links will be in the show notes. And, um, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. And um, be good to each other. This was a Turtle Boy podcast.